Will you please pray with me? Now, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. So one of my favorite stories that I heard a number of years ago is a story about a rabbi, a rabbi who lived over a thousand years ago in a city that was occupied. There was an occupying force, and, uh, but each day he was still allowed to worship, and so he would make the walk from his home down to the synagogue. One day, though, he found himself in a part of the city that he'd never been in before, and it was getting dark, and he couldn't quite see what was going on. He was lost, and then he heard this voice from up above that said, who are you? And what are you doing here? Strange, he was a little taken aback, wasn't sure what was going on. And he didn't respond. And so the voice came back a little louder this time. Who are you and what are you doing here? And he realized that it was a guard up on the walls guarding the city who was asking him, what was he doing in this part of the city? And the voice asked again, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi thought for a moment and then he said to the voice, How much do they pay you to stand there each day and to say that? And the guard was a little bit taken aback, but eventually he gave him a response. And the rabbi then turned to him and said, If I pay you double, will you come and stand outside of my door? And each day as I leave my house and as I return, will you ask me, Who are you and what are you doing here? See, the rabbi knew what I have come to learn is that when we forget who we are, And what we are doing here, we struggle to know how to live. And we start to lose focus on how it is that we are meant to live. It is so important that we can answer those two questions. And you know, I don't think I'm the only person who struggles to keep those questions at the front of my mind or even to answer those questions. If someone was to meet you in the street today and to stop you all of a sudden and say, who are you and what are you doing here? What would you say besides, I'm Jonathan, uh, I'm just going for a walk. (laughs) Leave me alone. If they then ask you again, but, but who are you? Who are you? And what are you doing here in this world? Would you be able to give them a clear and concise answer about your identity and your calling? Something the world struggles with immensely is to answer those questions well. And partly because our world tries to do it apart from a belief in God and who he is. Even the great atheist of the 20th century, Bertrand Russell, said that apart from God, life is meaningless. We have to begin with a belief in God if we are to believe there is purpose in this world. But the problem is many of us don't begin there. And guess where we begin? We begin with ourselves. It's all about us. But as Rick Warren writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, the very first words, it's not about you. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Today, friends, we'll see that in Christ Jesus, our identity and our purpose can be known. In fact, only in Christ Jesus can our identity and purpose truly be known. As Paul writes to the church in Colossae in chapter 1, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, 
Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, everything means everything, right? And that includes you and that includes me. Soren Kierkegaard, a famous philosopher, once said, The thing, the thing, and he means the thing, is to understand myself and to see what God really wishes me to do. To find the idea for which I can live and die. Have you found that yet? Well, let's turn to our scriptures, Acts chapter 28, and look at a man who had found that idea and who knew his identity and who knew his purpose. We're coming to the end of our sermon series. Uh, we've been going through the book of Acts for those of you who are just here for the first time today. And this is our last week. And um, the series is called Outward Bounds. We've been looking at going out as Christians, that this faith that we have received as believers is not meant to be kept inside within the walls of our church building, but it's meant to be taken out to the ends of the earth. And so last week we came to Paul in his third missionary journey. He's not been on just one, not just two, but three missionary journeys in his life. Journeys that have taken him all over the known world and into Europe. And now, now he's heading to Rome. Do you remember the final words from our reading last week? It was Acts 19 verse 21. It said this. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. I must also see Rome. There's this sense that Paul has that his um, purpose is entwined with the city of Rome. He is a Roman citizen. After all, his father was a Roman and his mother was a Jew, but he has this sense that he's going to end up there. And so he heads back to Jerusalem at the end of this third missionary journey and on to Antioch. And this is confirmed on that journey. Acts 23, we hear this. The following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Well, this week we see that Paul has made it to Rome. He's actually made it there, but only just. Okay, if you read the chapters in between last week's reading and this week's reading, you'll see that it's quite a journey. I encourage you to do it. He has been arrested along the way. He has faced endless trials. He's been imprisoned. He's had assassination threats. He's nearly drowned. He's almost been killed by soldiers. He's even been bitten by a viper, a venomous snake, and survived that too. But he's made it. And God has helped him to get to this place. However, you know, it must have been tempting. You've got to think at some stage to be thinking, man, I should just give up. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not meant to be going to Rome. I mean, especially when the snake bites me. I think, no, this is not. I'm going the wrong way. But he's got this call from the Lord. He's got this call. And let's talk about that a little bit more in depth. So first thing, um, as we talk about this, what is it that has gotten Paul through? What is it that has helped him to, to actually make it to Rome finally uh, and to be there? Well, the first thing we see is that he has a clear understanding. He's got a clear understanding. Say with me, a clear understanding. He's got a clear understanding of who he is. He, he knows who he is. Okay. Now, often when we meet someone, the first thing we ask is, of course, what do you do? Right? First, in a conversation with someone, we, we might ask them the name, but then we'll, right away we'll be like, well, what do you do? Okay? And they might tell you, you know, their profession and so on. You might tell them what you do. But you see, that's the way our culture tends to think. But actually, in the Lord's way of thinking, is in his economy, our identity begins with being and not with doing. In his mind, we are human beings and not human doings. Right? 
We're human beings. I've got to laugh at the last service. Come on. <laughs> human doings. Okay. <laughs> Clearly there were more middle school boys in that service. <clears throat> we're human beings, right? It's not about what we do in his economy. It's about who we are. Okay. And Paul knows who he is. His identity, his, his confidence in his identity, it's not explicit in this passage, but it's implicit. And we see that it's not what he's done. If we want to get an idea of what he believes about himself, I think the opening to the letter to the church in Ephesus is actually a really good place to start. In Ephesians chapter 1, he writes this, Paul An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It's a good start, right? He knows that he's an apostle. He's someone who's called to take out the message of God. And it's only by God's will he's doing that. Then he goes on. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that God is his Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him. He knows that he's chosen. You know how good it feels to be chosen? Ever been lined up at school and you're picking teams, right? And you're not the last person chosen, right? Doesn't that feel good? Paul knows that he has been chosen, not just for a school sport. He's been chosen by the maker of the universe to do what he does. That feels really good. In him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. He's chosen to be a son, a son of the king. Wow. (laughs) He's a son. He's an heir in Christ Jesus. How amazing is that? He is living out of this place of identity. That's the confidence that he has. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. He's been redeemed. He's been redeemed through his blood. He had the forgiveness of our trespasses. He knows he's forgiven according to the riches of his grace. He knows he's received God's unconditional love, which he lavished upon us. He's not living with this poverty mindset of who he is. He knows that God has lavished gifts upon him. This is who Paul is. And it goes on. Do you get a sense that he has a a good sense of his worth? I think so. He has a good sense of who he is. His identity is secure in Christ Jesus. He's a man who has been saved by grace alone, and he knows it, and he lives into it. I wonder, how do you uh, feel about your worth, your value, your sense of identity? Do you live out of that same place that Paul lives out of? Do you have that same confidence of who you are? It will change a lot of things once you start to do that. In fact, it will change the world around you. So he has a clear understanding of who he is. Secondly, he has a clear calling. And his clear calling is to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples. That's perhaps in a more general sense, okay? Uh, And that's the same calling for all Christians. It's the great commission that we talk about often here, to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? He is clear about that. And it gets more specific. I think his call, as we're seeing, is getting honed along the way to the point where he knows, I've got to go to Rome. I have a chance because of my background, because of my citizenship, to actually go and present myself before the emperor of the known world. That's my call. And I want to follow that through. 
And he certainly has a sense that I think that he is called to the Gentiles in a way that perhaps others of the apostles were not quite so sure. And how do we know this? Well, look at the passage itself. Look at 16 um, right there. And when, a, when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So he's under house arrest in this place, okay? And you might think, well, that's a good place just to be quiet, enjoy a peaceful time in Rome, perhaps, maybe write some letters, which he sure does. But guess what he does? He doesn't go where? Where does he normally go first? Yes, some of you have been listening. He normally goes to the synagogue when he goes to a new town. Well, he can't because he's under house arrest. So what does he do? He brings the synagogue to him. <laughs> well, we're going to have them come to me. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he spoke to them. Okay, we'll come to that a little bit. And then verse 23, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him his lodging in great numbers. So again, they're coming to him from morning till evening. He expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Again, he's proclaiming the gospel to people. He knows this is his calling. And then verse 30, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul knows his calling. And because of that, he continues to thrive and to grow in his faith as he trusts the Lord over and over again. And he sees the Lord work. There's a story about a certain American prisoner who was held in North Vietnam. And he was led to believe that if he cooperated with his captors, this is during the Vietnam War, he would be set free. And he did quite well, despite two years in captivity. Uh, With his vision before him, he became the leader of a prison, uh, a prison thought reform group. However, the day his vision dissolved and he realized that his captors were deceiving him, he curled up on his bunk, refused nourishment, and he was dead in a couple of weeks. See, when faith in his purpose was removed, he could no longer cope. I think when we as Christians are not clear on our call, when we live rather aimlessly, our faith tends to shrivel and to perish, tends to shrivel up and to perish. Well, what is our call? As Spurgeon puts it, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. We're called to go out on mission. Now, I don't mean going necessarily to uh, other parts of the world. I mean, we're just called to live on mission where we are. It may be that we get to go to other parts of the world, but our primary place of mission is right here on Daniel Island or in one of the neighborhoods where you live around this community. You are called to be a missionary. Otherwise, you are an imposter. There is no middle ground. Which are you? Are you outwardly bound? Or are you simply stuck inside? Do you have a clear call to proclaim the gospel and within that to a particular group as well? So third thing. First of all, we saw Paul has a clear understanding. Secondly, he has a clear calling. And then thirdly, he has a clear trust. He has a clear trust in the Lord. Now, again, this is more implicit than explicit here. And it relies on some of the things that we've been reading over the past six or seven weeks about Paul's life. But he has a clear trust. And just think about all that he's been through that I just shared at the beginning. He's been through so much. He clearly knows the Lord is with him and that he can trust him because he has made it to where the Lord said he would go. If you've ever put your trust in the Lord and seen bad things happen along the way, but then finally made it, your trust grows, right? 
Your trust grows incredibly when that happens because you realize, yes, he keeps his promises. And Paul doesn't trust in his own abilities. I, I think he has a, he has a good self-worth, if you'll put it, not a poor one, but he's trusting ultimately in God's ability to help him in all circumstances through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's trusting in him. And so even when he faces opposition, we see it again today, verses 24 and 25, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved and disagreeing among themselves they departed and then Paul gives this statement where he's very bold about what he says about what's going to happen to them but once again some believe and some don't believe and often what happens in that situation is they try and cause trouble for him don't they but even when he faces opposition he presses on we see that he lives there another two years discipling those who will listen Would you say that that is true of you? Do you trust the Lord? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I don't know what you're going through now, what situation, what trials you might be going through, but are you trusting in him in the midst of that, that he is still good and that he will help you through that if you follow his leading? So we see that what gets Paul through is he has a clear understanding, right? He also has a, and it's a clear understanding of his identity. He also has a clear calling. He knows why he's there and what he's doing. And then he has a clear trust in the Lord as he lives these things out. Now, what about, what about us? What are we to make of this story today? Well, you know, the question really still is, who are you and what are you doing here? Who are you? And what are you doing here? And if you can't answer those questions immediately, I would say, within, you know, just like give me some kind of answer on that in a deeper way than my name's Bob and I work at Blackboard, right? Then I wonder if it's time for you to spend some time asking the Lord to reveal himself to you, to speak to you. It may be that you have never committed to follow him, that you've never recognized your own sin in your own life and repented of that and said, Lord, I am as far apart from you as I could be and I need to choose to follow you today. And I repent and I ask you into my life, come and make me your child because I'm not your child right now. I'm your enemy. Maybe that that's what you need to do. Are you comfortable or are you clear in your identity? Do you know that you're a child of God or would you say that you're actually still an enemy of God? Do you know that you're loved by him or are you in opposition to him? Do you live out of that identity each day as a dear, dearly loved child of his, no longer striving, seeking to prove yourself to others that you are good enough, not seeking to prove to God that you're good enough for his love? Is that your identity? If not, come to him. Seek him out and hear his words that he would speak over you as his dearly loved child. And then secondly, what's your call? Uh, Do you know your purpose here in this world? Now, large scale, that is to be someone who makes disciples, as we cause all Christians to do, to go out into the world and to share the gospel with others in word and in deed, helping them to come to know the love of God too. But would you say you're an outward bound kind of person? I don't mean by that an extrovert um, as opposed to an introvert. There's a place for extroverts and introverts in God's kingdom. I'm just talking about someone who is open to the Lord's leading in your life beyond these four walls. That when opportunities come your way, you make the most of them to love others, both in word and in deed, sharing the gospel when opportunities present present themselves. Or would you say that you are inwardly stuck 
You're inwardly stuck and you're starting to shrivel and die. Your faith is shriveling and dying inside. I believe God has a call for you and he probably has a very particular call to a particular group of people. You might be a stay-at-home spouse or parent. You might be someone who's working full-time. You might be someone who's in school right now. You might be someone who's actually retired now. But God has a calling for your life that's probably very particular to your situation that Jonathan Bennett can't fulfill or Kendall Harmon can't fulfill. We can't do that for you. He's calling you and only you into that situation to fulfill that calling. And he wants to reveal that to you. Have you asked him what that particular call is? And are you willing to obey him and to follow that call? Pete Scazzaro, uh, who writes about emotionally healthy disciples, it's an excellent book if you've never read it, I recommend it. He says this, success is becoming the person God calls you to become. Becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. It's not necessarily how the world would define success, right? There's not much there about career, money, possessions, uh, the best education, whatever it might be. No, no. It's simply about doing what God calls you to do and being who he calls you to be. So who are you and what are you doing here? Last thing I'll just say is that it's interesting, isn't it, that Acts ends right here. As we were studying it in our life group, uh, one of the life groups I visited this week, my kind of question was, why does it end here? Why don't we find out what happens to Paul? I want to know the end. Does he die, right? Is he martyred? Uh, Is he set free by the emperor? We actually don't know. And as I thought and reflected about it and I read some more on it, the sense I got was that it's really just the beginning of the story, right? Acts is just the beginning of the church's story. And we are a part of that story right here today. We're Acts chapter 29, if you will, or Acts chapter 1374, right? Holy Cross, Daniel Island. We're a part of that story. We get to play it out. It wasn't ever really about Paul. We just got to learn some things through him and his life. And now we get to be Acts 29. Okay, We get to live it out in our way. And so, friends, I encourage you to hear God's call, to know your identity and to live into it, that we might live that out well and be a people who are a light for the gospel here on Daniel Island and beyond. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, help us as the church of Acts 29 to be about your kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom like our brother Paul. Uh, And Lord Jesus, whether that's in word or in deed, I know the two go hand in hand. Would you help us to do it well? Would you help us to love you and to love others well, that others might come to know and to love you too? We long to see, um, we long to see people converted, we long to people, see people's hearts change. We long to see the broken healed, the physically sick healed as well, Lord Jesus. We long to see captives set free. We long to see uh, demons uh, cast out, Lord Jesus, whatever it might be that you're calling us to be a part of. We long to be a part of that and to see freedom. Freedom as can only be experienced in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.